I feel like I should sing a song. Hey, y'all. How y'all doing? Oh, my gosh. Um, hey, y'all. Getting ready for this episode of Cope. And I am beyond excited with anything. So I'm going to start pulling all my people in and doing a little bit of sharing. And if you'll do me a favor and do a little bit of sharing as well, um, we'll get ready for our special guest in just a few minutes. Oh my God. I'm excited about every interview. Uh, there he is. I'm excited about every interview I have. I'm going to bring him in in just a second. And he's looking like his dope self um, as usual. And I'm so excited about that. Um, so y'all do me a favor. Um, as I prep him to get in, you guys start sharing the video live. Put it on your feed. Put it on your timeline. Um, share it in your story. You do not want to miss this interview with, I'm going to call him J-Mac, um, Dr. McAllister. I'm going to bring him on the screen in just a second. Uh, oh, my gosh. There he is. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. I can hear you perfectly as well. My God, I'm going to get started in just a second. Um, but as everybody is sharing and building their audience up, and I just put this on person, my personal page because I saw we had some friends in common who were kind of like, oh, I want to be there for this. So I wanted to do this. Um, but thank you. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cub Christ Unveiling Purpose, where today my special guest is Dr. John McAllister. And this interview, um, as professional as it will be, is still very personal. I can say that John and I grew up together. Uh, <laughs> literally, Thanks. we grew up together. I think when we met, we were like 18 and 19. You would live bit older than I am. Right, right. Um, we were young with family, right? And all of that. And we have just seen each other's growth. So y'all, welcome to Cup Christ Unveiling purpose. Dr. John McAllister, I'm going to I'm gonna bring in a little bit of his story. And then John and I are going to kind of flow like we always talk. Um, he's a John associate professor at the University of Arkansas Little Rock, right? Are you full yeah. professor yet? Associate. Okay. Almost. We, 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 I know he'll be full for associate <laughs> professor at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. But this man has so many gifts and talents. Um, he has another side to him that if he wants to talk about it, I'm gonna let you tell, I'm gonna let him talk to you about his musical. Um, he is a father. He is a husband. Like this man is simply amazing. He is a member of Omega Sci-Fi um, Fraternity Incorporated. I see him in his community invested. I see him invested in his children's lives, see him invested. He is definitely somebody that I would consider living life on purpose. So y'all welcome. Dr. McAllister John, tell all the people what's up. Good morning, good hour, good afternoon, actually. Um, so currently, uh, Keisha gave me a great introduction we have known each other for a long time her mother gave me my first full-time job so i've been knowing keisha a long time we worked together for a 
long, long, long time. We go way back, like four flats. Is that? <laughs> four flat tires, like four flats. Yeah, come on, John. Like, oh, mama, mama's on here. She says, hi, John, she's so proud of you. Like four flat tires, like four flat tires. And as professional as we all are, John, can I tell you something? You are probably one of my longest friends that has been most consistent and I appreciate you for that. You are always cheerleading me on. You are always you. telling me to keep moving forward and consistency is big for me. So to have this uh, consistent friend and then like you are, um, the thing that I know most about you is in all your accolade, accolades, all the things that you have done and accomplished, can I tell you, you still you? Like you still you from a, a healthy way. Like you've evolved, you sitting at the chair and the table, with all these other people. But at the end of the day, when I, I you know, I'm gonna call you J-Mac, cause that's what I get. Right, right, right. Like at the end of the day, I get J-Mac. I don't get um, anybody else. And that's rare. Like a lot of times you'll see people accomplishing and achieving, and then you get some facade or some person. And I've never gotten that. How have you stayed true to you? Well, um, man, I think I posted on one of my Facebook pages um, I, I, when I get up in the morning time, um, I try to be myself, 100% authentic. Um, and I believe that if you're not authentic, uh, authentic, then you, you're giving these, you're giving the, giving the people a facade, like you said, of who you want to be, and then you lose contact with, with people. Ooh. So I get up in the morning time every day on purpose, trying to do the best that I can for as many people as I can and be myself 100% of the time. Um, I, I, I say it all the time, persistence gets you the opportunity, but consistency keeps the opportunity. Woo! So, say so it one more to... time for the people in the back. Hold on, I ain't mean to interrupt you. Say <laughs> it one more time, because the people in the back need to hear you. Say it again. <laughs> I said that persistence gets you the opportunity, but consistency keeps the opportunity. So, so you have to be yourself and, and do the same thing over a period of time in order to keep the opportunity. Um, um, and I think you said something even more powerful when you said you purposely get up to be your authentic self. And unfortunately, we live in a world that tells you if you're going to achieve the corporate ladder, the academic ladder, wherever it is you're trying to go, that you need to morph into something else. And based on what you just told me, then if we do that, right, we really not, um, people are not getting the best value of us. Or um, I always say there's a sound affiliated with all of us. Mm -hmm. Then your sound that's released, your people that are called to you won't even know how to find you because you sound like somebody else, right? Right. You, you sound like somebody else. So I'm going to ask you a question. What does it mean for you to live on purpose? Um. It means for me, in, uh, in particular, that I get up every day and I experience life. I don't just live it. A lot of times, individuals go through life just living life uh, because of all of the challenges that come along with it. Um, your job, you know, you got a family, but you should also try to experience life. Life is an experience, and you have to be actively experiencing life in order to get the fullest that we can out of out of, the, out of the one life that we have. So we have to actively get up every day and um, 
look for the experience um, and not just going with the motions and just trying to live. Just look for the experience of life. There are going to be ups. There's life ebbs and flows. It's like the tide in the ocean. It goes out and it comes back in. You have to experience those ebbs and those flows in order to appreciate when the water is calm. So you, so you have to experience those things. I want you to know you dropping bars. I'm taking notes. You dropping bars, and I'm taking notes, brother. Like, like you dropping bars. I don't know if they listening, but you dropping bars, and I'm taking notes because what you said is so true. And I think there's so many of us that are just kind of living and not living life intentionally, and like living life on purpose. Let's go back a little bit. Um, you've always been different. You and I know that we both have always been different. Um, right. We cracked so many jokes on each other. Um, but you, your beginnings, um, your beginnings weren't always smooth and easy. Um, one day something woke up in you. What happened that transitioned you to go into academia? Because I've taught before and I know what the road to academics looks like, especially for a male, even an African-American male, right? right, right. Woke up in you that said, this is something that I need to pursue and do. Well, I think the first thing that happened to me is uh, when I got ready to graduate from high school, um, a couple of years before then, like about 15 or 16, my mother, um, she finally let me out of the house and I got a crash course on hood economics 101. My cousin, one of my cousins, they, um, we, we, I'm from Kenlock, Missouri, but um, my mother, she moved out of Kenlock and she moved into Ferguson, Missouri. And that's a whole nother story in itself. Yes. Um, but um, when, I, when I got off the porch, one of the things my cousins always said is, I'm not gonna have my cousin being a nerd. So they, they put me on game and they took me through Hood Economics 101 real Woo! fast. So they speed me up really fast. And so um, by the time I hit graduation, I was um, doing a whole bunch of stuff that probably shouldn't have been doing. And my mother, I thought I was being slick, but my mother and my grandmother, they knew about it. And so they, my mother gave me a one-way ticket. There's a few things I keep on my desk at work. And one of them is my one-way ticket that my mother gave me, because this reminds me of why I'm here. You see Woo! that? TWA. She, yeah. put, she put me on the TWA flight. One yeah. way ticket, August 20th, 1989, to Ooh. Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh my god. So goodness. and uh she gave me uh one specific direction or directive. If you don't finish, don't come home. So I tell you that I was doing a lot of stuff that I probably didn't have any business doing. Yes. And so when I when I came to Arkansas, um my uh they sent me to Philander Smith College and um I was the first person in my church's history to ever get a, a scholarship. So now I got church depending on me. Oh, wow. I'm an only child. So when your wow. mother tell you you can't come home, that hurt my heart because my mama is everything to me. So yeah. that means I got I got to get somewhere and tighten up. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I came to Philander, and um, I got came on campus, and um, I just I knew that I had to do something different because my number one goal was to return home. Um, so I, I came to Philander and all this, all the stuff, all the knowledge that I took and applied on the street corner, I applied it to books because I wanted to do something different. And, and 
I, I knew something was different about college when I came there. And I was, like I said, I was fresh out of the projects. And um, I saw this young lady walking on campus. And she said, she was a nice looking young lady. And I called myself shooting my shot, as they say. And she looked over her corn. She looked over her shoulder and said, uh, little boy. I said, little boy. She said, yeah. She said, uh, what's your classification here on campus? And I said, I'm a freshman. She said, you better get you some hours before you come talk to me. And walked off and I said, oh my goodness, I better learn what, what this college thing is about. Yeah. And so the next thing that happened to me is I saw Dr. Meyer L. Titus. He was the president of Philander and he really opened up his home to us and we were able to come into his home. And um, basically he was giving us knowledge whenever we asked questions about different things. And so I asked him, what did it take to become a president of a college? And he told me, uh, of course, you have to have a degree, but you have to have the will to want to do it. Believe it, you can achieve it. He, and this is the way he kind of talked. Yeah. So um, I, I can honestly say that the first time I came to Philander was the first time I've seen an African-American male or a black male running a school. And he wasn't running drugs or guns or women. Yeah. That's the first yeah. time I've seen a black man really on his business. Yeah. And so um, from that day forward, I just said, you know what? I can do this. And I started started working, um, working toward it. Yeah, yeah, and you've done it. Like you're here, you're doing, you've achieved, you are under 50 in associate professorship. Um, you've also done some amazing things. Like you worked at the school um, for the blind forever in a day. And I saw you post not too long ago and say, um, you know, that season has ended. What made you make that transition after you had given to that for so long? Well, I, I taught at the Arkansas School for the Blind for about 15 years. And then I went back and I was uh, on the school board and I'm still, they asked me to return to the school board. So I'm going to return to be back on the board. But this past year, I was actually the president of the school board and that okay. another job within itself. Um, yeah. So um, being the president of a school board is, is, is pretty tough. You, you know, you have to, um, you have to know how to work the room. You have to make yeah. hands and kiss babies and make everybody happy at one time. Yeah. And one thing I learned about leadership 101, you cannot, there's no real correct decision. There's the best decision. Yeah. The decision that you make is going to affect someone adversely. So you have yeah. to make the best decision for the most amount of people. Yeah. Because the decisions we make, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think we realize this. Every decision, good or bad, right? Is tied right. to someone else. It's going to either have, um, it's going to produce a benefit. It's going to be a negative repercussion, right? right. And when you're in a, a, a part of a leadership, sometimes we want leadership. We're hungry for leadership. But when you're in a leadership role that great, it comes with weight and responsibility, right? Yes, and you got to be ready for the weight and the responsibility. Everything that shines brightly isn't light, fluffy, and feathery and some right. of those things are weighty and some of those things are heavy. Okay, so we've been reading this book by Mark Batterson. It's called Chase That Lion. And one of the things he says in the book in this last chapter we were reading, he says, if you dare to dream big, you better think long. 
If you dare to dream big, you better think long. Tell me what that means to you. If you dare to dream big, you bet, because you're doing it, you're thinking long. So what does that mean to you? If you dare to be dream big, you better think long. So um, what, I, what I feel it means to me is that when I'm dreaming or when I'm thinking about, when I was thinking about doing something different, I had to come up with a plan and work the plan. Yeah. So it's sort of like when you become a professor, you have to have this research agenda. So your agenda yeah. is what you plan on researching up until the point where you reach tenure. So you have to so you have to write out this pre-planned agenda and you try to work that agenda, but sometimes you have to monitor and adjust the agenda. So the, so just because you plan it don't mean it's going to happen that way. There's always going to be things that's outside environmental factors that change the plan. And so um, when the plan is changed, uh, you can't go haywire because the plan has changed. You take a deep breath and you change with the plan. Sometimes yeah. you add some stuff away into it. Sometimes, sometimes you may take some things away. But uh, the biggest thing is is that I think it means is to you have to have a plan. Yes, and it has, and a long term, right? Not three, six months, right? right? Or not whatever. One of the things I encourage people on here all the time is you need to build what you're building for a hundred years. Like you right. need to think in terms of legacy. You need to think in terms of who else I'm. Am I going to make impact? Your dream should have eternal implications, right? Um, when I look up Dr. John McAllister from the future or my sons, what you've done is going to have eternal implications, not just for your own children, but for every minority boy <laughs> um, who were on the porch, who was school fast, who had hood economics to say, you know what, if John can, then I can. If Dr. McAllister can, I can. Because he didn't come from this place where it was all laid out and perfect and, right. um, you know, all that. So that's good. So sometimes we have what's called cave moments in life. You know, them dark moments when it looks like like things just not necessarily go. How do you talk to yourself? Because we all have them. And for me, that's when God really talks to us. How do you talk to yourself when you're in those cave moments, when it's dark or when it looks like something isn't working the way you want it to? Well, um me in, in particular, I'm a I'm an only child, so I'm intrinsically motivated. So some things that may seem bad or may bring others down kind of gets me to going on the inside and makes me work even harder. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm really, really competitive. I hate to lose. Um, and I, I say it all the time. Sometimes I, w- I would rather stop breathing than lose. Yeah. I hate to lose. Yeah. So when I'm in a dark place in particular, um, when things are not going my way, the first thing I do is I have a conversation with God about it. And sometimes I get up before my wife and kids get up. I get on my knees in the morning time. Yeah. Uh, or I might be just laying in the bed praying. Um, sometimes two or three o'clock in the morning. Uh, when you when God wake you up at that time, you ought to put that time to use. Don't yeah. You, not just up because you can't sleep. You didn't wake out of a slumber just to be up because you can't sleep. You woke up for a reason. Something is on your mind. Something is on your heart. If something on your mind or your heart, you need to talk to God about it and see what it is and ask for direction. So that's when those, good. When those things happen to me. I'm 
I take, I utilize my time wisely. Uh, time management is the key to being successful. So when I, when, I, when I talk to God about it, I'm willing to accept whatever He, whatever it is He shows me, uh, whatever He, whatever it is He take away from me, or whatever whatever it is He add to me, I'm willing to accept it because I've asked the question, what is it that I need to do? Maybe something needs to be out of my life. Maybe something needs to be added to my life. So when you ask him the question, no matter what the answer is, you got to be willing to accept the, the answer to the question that you ask. And a lot Ooh. of times we're not willing to do that. A lot of times we want what we want. You ask and that's it. We want what we want. So when you ask a question and you get the answer, don't go to looking like, well, I don't know why God said that. Or, uh, uh, man, he said that, but I'm going to do this. No, 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 no. You ask a question, you got the answer, go with the plan. So let me ask you this, and we don't have, like, this time will be out before we know it, so we got to get a couple more questions in. An opportunity is not an opportunity if you have to compromise your character. Correct. What has, and I know you to be a person of character and integrity. What, what are the things that you keep at the forefront so that you don't compromise yourself to climb or to sit at tables? I've seen so many people lower their standards in order for them to be able to sit at tables or to be in the company of people. And when we lower our standards to sit at tables or to be in the company of people, then what tends to happen for us is we've compromised. And that's not that's not your opportunity if you got to compromise. Right. Right. So um, me, I used to um, try to fit in, try to try to Ride the line with everybody else so that I did so that I did not stick out. Um, and in doing so, I made myself, you know, kind of dumb myself down a whole bunch of times to fit in with individuals who really didn't have my best interest at hand. Um, Come on, John. <laughs> I was I was it, it's, it's sort of like, have you been official or are you beneficial? Woo! So I've been official. I'm official like a referee whistle, but to others, yeah. yeah. But to others, I was beneficial. I was helping them do some, get, get somewhere that they wanted to be. So I stopped trying to fit in with people and I started um, basically cutting my own path. And I, I read this book somewhere. I think it's called The Effective Executive, um, okay. and it talks about how leaders oftentimes, number one, they have to walk by themselves and cut their own path. We don't walk down paths that is already cut because somebody's already cut it. But when you're leading, sometimes you have to cut your own path. And um, you're going to find resistance when you're trying to lead. People are not, are, everybody's not going to get it at the same time. Um, and so you have to, you have to um, just try to be yourself and try to not to stick in. Matter of fact, I try to stick out. I don't, I don't, I don't try to fit the mold. Um, I don't want to fit the mold. Um, like I said, I just try to just kind of stick out. I don't, I don't, I never try to fit the mold anymore. I want to be yeah. myself, whatever I, what, and I, and I, I get up every day with the purpose of doing right and telling the truth. And yeah. my, my grandma always said that, that uh, the truth don't care about who tell it as long as it get told. Yeah. So I, and I being intentional in that, right. That right. I'm going to tell the truth that even right. if I'm in a hard place, I'm going to be real authentic tell the truth 
even if it looks like I'm not winning with the majority, because even if we take it to the word, we were never supposed to be on the path. I always tell people, if you find yourself doing what everybody else is doing, you're probably not on the path for you, right? Because your path is not going to include a path, my God, with everyone else. Your path is going to include a path that's designed uniquely for you right and that means i don't compromise who i am for that so so that's that's um deep now i'm gonna ask you something i know how you and i both feel about this why do you think people become so concerned with what others think about what they're called to do like why are we waiting on people who like if we got the support of those that love us like and sometimes we don't sometimes we don't have the support of our love our of our our parents or other people you and I both come from mothers who love us intensely who have always supported you know us doing the right thing when we are in a position a place dealing with people why do we become so concerned about what somebody else feels about our dream and they didn't give it to us well I, I think like I said well 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 did one thing that human beings one thing we all have in common is we all want to fit in either in an in group or you're in an out group and nobody wants to be on the outside looking in everybody wants to be on the in group and so individuals um they oftentimes just want to try to fit in um like i said when fitting in sometimes mean means compromising who you are so so it's 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 best to just be yourself i tell my children all the time i have uh, all of my children just be yourself and if they like you they will and if they don't oh well yeah yeah because nobody else and nobody else i think the biggest thing for me always and what i share with my sons nobody else has your vision inside of them like nobody else there are people along the way that will speak to you there are people along the way that will encourage you there are people along the way that tie to your vision but when god wants to talk to you about your vision baby he gonna wake you up and talk to you about your vision because he knows and even as a mother like i know my sons are called to be great i know my sons are called to be difference makers but i don't know what that all entails my only job is to position them so that they could go live and experience the best the rest of that is going to be like you said those two three four hour conversations those late night conversations right and i really try to watch that as a mother raising sons because sometimes as women, we can become territorial and protective. And we, you know, we're gonna hold y'all on the porch when we gotta release y'all, right? right. And, and let y'all go and let y'all experience and encourage me. And we got like room for one more question or well, I, even I, any I wanted, to, I wanted to comment on what you were saying. So yes. it's also important to understand there's a difference between sight and vision. Sight is what you see every day. Vision is what you pre- see in the future. You have to have a vision. You have to see yourself 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, five years down the road, two years down the road, you know? So you, so you have to have vision. Even a blind man has vision. A blind man can see where he wants to be in the future. Um, so to have sight means nothing. To have vision is everything. Ooh, that is so... I'm gonna have to take that. That's all I you, you see that quote. I'm gonna, I promise you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, I'm not gonna plagiarize, but I might have to work a piece on that. So if you see the piece, I'm gonna mention your name and I'm gonna tag you. But I might have to expound on that because that just moved me. You're right. Sight is what I see every day, vision is what's in that future. That's why I, sometimes I'm like, okay, 
we get into habits of writing vision board, but that vision board shouldn't be for just what's current, right? We talk right. about current, that vision board for me some, should be something that's going to put us into the future. And then saying a blind man have vision, man, I'm about to, woo! okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> tell me what you would tell anyone who maybe they don't know, they, they can't find their purpose. Share, give us just some words on, on how do we kind of get in this journey and pass? Cause I watch you, like I watch you work a job, right? And it's, it's not that you weren't making impact until you found your rhythm in education, right? I watched you raise a family in this. And then one day I watched you in this PhD program, like just kind of explode. So you tapped into living on purpose. Give someone some encouragement who may not know how to live on purpose. So, so one of the one one thing I, I didn't mention was that when I was at Philander Smith College, my grandmother she was sick and she was dying of cancer, and I went home for uh, Christmas break, and she had gotten sick right before I came back in January, and I told her my I told my mother and grandmother that I wasn't coming back to school; I was staying at home because my my granny was sick, and yeah. my, my mother and my grandmother and all my aunts raised me. Uh, so, so I, I came from a house raised by all women, and so my grandmother, when I told her I wasn't going back to school, she kind of sat up in the bed. She was she was sick, sick, and she said, "You know what? No matter what you do, you better not ever quit." And so I took that when she sent me back when when I she finally convinced me to go back to Philander, and I did, and I took that what she told me, and I used it uh, as motivation. I didn't quit. And so I went, I used that motivation to finish the whole education system. She told me just don't quit at Philander. She was talking about don't quit my bachelor's degree. But I yeah. took what she said to heart and I finished the whole education system. There's nothing yeah. off for of me. I finished, I got the top degree that you can get in education. I finished the whole system. So I just, I, I, I took what my grandmother said. And I and I understood what my when, when I graduated from ULR, my mother saw the professors uh, walking in with the Tams on, with with the uh, in the graduation regalia. And she said, "You know what, son?" I said, "What, mom?" She said, "I want one of those hats." So yeah. what my grandmother said and what my mother said, I already knew what I had to do. Yeah. So, um, so uh, you know, I just I pretty much got on it at that point. I, I tried. To, I had to figure it out. And so yeah. I figured it out. And um, when I got an opportunity, um, I, I took full advantage of it. I took yeah. full advantage of it. And for me, you are the example of being raised by your mother, being raised by your aunts. Um, no one in this world are fl is flawless, but you didn't let those limitations become excuses. Whatever stepping stone was thrown your way, you took it and turned it into a stumbling block. And I'm grateful for you, right? Because we all fall into situations and places where we live, like there may be a holding pattern, like your grandmother being sick might've been a holding pattern or something else where it looks like the dream may be on hold, right? But the thing that I know most about a holding pattern is holding patterns, we're being stretched. Holding patterns are moments for us to be strengthened. Holding patterns are moments for us to even recalibrate the vision if we lose sight of the vision, you were ready to quit and go, okay, I'm going home. I'm going to stay home. My grandmother's here. This is the woman that has a huge way in my life. And then you had to recalibrate the vision because you were getting ready to abandon the vision, right? But your holding pattern, that one moment put you in a position 
to go, you know what, I'm getting ready to recalibrate this division and I'm going back and do, and I'm not gonna even go back and do just a little bit. I'm gonna go back and go further. Now, I'm gonna have to part two this interview because we're almost out of time, but music is a part of who you are. You're yes. probably one of the most diverse brothers I know. <laughs> so don't let him fool you. It's not just education. He is diverse to the things that are true to his heart. And I, I'm grateful for that. You are definitely, when even dealing with my boys, like I can point to them and say, there, there's your no excuse. Like there's, no, there's, your, there's your absolute no excuse that you cannot do it. You go sit down, you go talk to Dr. Messiah, you go talk to J-Mac and let him help you deal with those excuses because excuses, I say this all the time, is they're nothing but lies. Is there anything that you want to um, leave the people with before we get out of here? A couple things. It's funny you said something about excuses. Um, one thing we learned when we were players in Omega is that excuses are monuments to nothing. They build bridges to nowhere. And those that Ooh. use tools of incompetence are masters of nothingness. I never Ooh. wanted to be a master of nothingness. Second of all, if I was leaving somebody with something, especially when you're talking about being in a dark place. There was times in my life when I was wondering, why did it keep on raining on me? Yeah. I, I, I kept asking myself, why does it keep on raining on me? And then I talked to God one night where everybody was asleep. I went to sleep and he gave me a dream and I woke up and I prayed about it. And um, it came to me. He said, I said, why does it keep on raining on me? If you could just give me an umbrella, to keep the rain off me for a second while I catch my breath, I'm gonna be okay. Ooh. And you know what God God said? Well, there's a, do do you understand what water is for? So water is the sustainer of all life. It, it it quenches your thirst, but lastly, it makes things grow. So it was, it was raining on me so that I could grow. John, <laughs> John. Like, can I tell you, I can't stop smiling because my cup is so full today. Like, one of the things we always say is thank you for filling our cup. So thank you for filling our cup. <laughs> you have definitely poured out today. You have definitely pushed some things and put some things in me that I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have to go back and watch this interview <laughs> because this is one of those interviews of a lifetime. So what, what's next? Like, you in academics. I know you're dibbling and doing some things in music. What's what's on the horizon? Where else? I'm waiting on a book or something to drop. I'm just gonna be honest. Like I'm working on. I got a book I'm writing called Out of the um, Out of the Night That Covers Me, and it's just talking about talking about my life uh, yeah. from, from start to kind of start to where I am currently. Um, as yeah. far as in the in the academic field, I'm I'm always working. Um, I never really get an opportunity to just be off. You're always kind of working in academics. Yeah. One semester in preparing, excuse me, preparing for the next semester and, and getting things ready for like the summer. Um, yeah. So I'm just uh, really currently I'm just writing a couple book chapters that I have to write out, write on, working on a couple articles here at the university and um, trying to make sure that I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. And, and maintaining myself as being authentically me. Yeah. 
And we appreciate you for being authentically, authentically you. And tell your wife, I said, thank you for giving me this moment. You know, she's my friend too, and I love her. So I'm so, I'm so like excited. Y'all thank Dr. John McAllister for visiting with us today. You definitely have filled our cups. You were dropping knowledge. You were dropping bars. Um, thank you for being my long-term, lifelong friend. I'm so glad my mother hired you so that I could meet you um, because you add to the value of who I am as a person. And I always tell people all the time, you need people that add, like, you're going to, you know, they say all the time, you're going to meet four type of people, adders, subtractors, multipliers, dividers. I need multiple people who are going to multiply me and I need people who are going to add to me. Anybody that's going to take away from me or pull me outside my zone. And you have never, ever, ever done that. You have been a cheerleader when I've needed one. Uh, we, we get on each other, you know, hey, where are you? keep your head up. And I just appreciate the value. And thank you for adding so much value to this world. And thank you for me even being example to young minority boys, young black boys who, who can look at you and say, I have no limitations. And I got to take away the excuses because here is someone that has their whole life changed and they paved a path for me. You didn't talk about it. You were about it. And I appreciate you. Hey, you guys. That's it for today. Uh, um, thanks. Okay, you got something to say? Come on, you got, yes. Uh, one more thing before I leave for leave today. I just wanted to tell tell everybody out in your audience that uh, one of my other sayings that I always say is, I ate steak and shrimp on Easy Street, but I also got full of potted meat. I'm the American Ooh. dream. Ooh, that's deep. Believe, believe that you are the dream. Yeah, that's, that's come on, John. Okay. We'll be going all day. I love y'all so much. Have a good we'll be one. back. We'll be back on Cubs um, next week where I have another special guest coming your way. And I'm going to leave it as a surprise. I love you guys so much. I hope your cup got filled today. Now, take what you got today, share it, and go fill somebody else's cup. And we'll see you next week. Love, peace, see and blessings.